You know, growing up in the country, um, especially as I got older and the Lord began to heal me, one of the things that I was blessed was with a father that wanted me in the field. So I can remember being 15, 16 years old, learning to drive a Massey Ferguson tractor and a John Deere tractor. And it seems like I was like Pigpen. I attracted dirt. Dirt loved me. And I sometimes would come in and I just have to get a shower really quick. And, and have you ever been working maybe in your yard or in a field on a hot and humid day like we can have in Georgia, and you come in, and you just, you know, it just feels so refreshing to get a shower, right? So you've got that picture, and, and I'm sure you don't, but there are times when I come in and I reek. I mean, I can come in from having exercised around the yard, and my wife and my daughter will go, don't come near us, don't come, straight to the shower. And um, could you imagine, you, you, you come in from a hot and humid day, and you go, oh, I have got to be at a wedding, or oh, I've got to be at this important meeting, and rather than shower, you put on clean clothes, and maybe you splash on a little extra cologne, and yeah, or perfume if you're a lady, and you head out the door. I don't think any of us would do that, Right? And if we did, I don't think any of us would want to sit beside the person, even though they had clean clothes on and they had perfume or cologne on, because it would make, and this is going to sound really gross, and I'm sorry, it would make the stink smell worse, if, if you can just believe that. So would you agree with me that a shower that cleans your body after a hot and humid workout day, that's refreshing? I mean, it feels good. And by the way, the rest of us appreciate it. But there's a spiritual analogy in this chapter we're going to read tonight. Because human beings, and this offends people, but all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And human beings reek of sin. There is a stench to sin that is foul in the nostrils of God. And because, because we all smell the same, we don't tend to notice the sins of others. I mean, if we all came in out of the field and if we all came in out of the yard from working and we put clean clothes on over our dirty bodies and we splashed on a little cologne or perfume we probably wouldn't notice because we're all dirty. But if those of us had had a shower we would see Bob come in and we'd look, what is wrong with Bob? He is so nasty. You know, Carrie took care of doing the laundry and she got good clothes on him, but he's just, he stinks. And so when Bob raises his hands to worship the Lord, we scoot over to the sides. Maybe if we fall out, it's not being slain in the spirit. We've just, he reeks. I'm sorry, Bob. You know, it's just that you come in, you know that. And I think if you stop and just think for a moment, and I'll try to tie this together later, because we all have sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, sometimes people who haven't experienced the cleansing from their sins that Christ provides, they don't realize just how they smell. Sometimes people think, well, my good works, my good works will make up for all my sin. But your good works without the blood of Jesus is like putting clean clothes on 
on a dirty body. And the moment you put those clothes on, those clothes smell bad and they're dirty as well because of the seed and the dirt and the everything else that is upon you. The chapters we're going to look at tonight, I told you when I two weeks ago, 12 and 13 of Zechariah, they really go together. In 12, we saw some of those powerful prophecies of what was going to happen to the shepherd. In 13, we're going to look at the piercing of the shepherd. But here is a good example. If you remember, I forget how many weeks ago it was now when I gave you the breakdown of how to interpret prophetic scriptures. These scriptures spoke to the Jewish people during the Persian era when they were when they were in subjection to the Persians. These scriptures spoke to the Jewish people and the early Christian church during the Roman period. And these scriptures tonight speak to you and I and the body of Christ as well. And so that's why it's so important when we read prophecy that we look at the prophecy historically, contextually, and grammatically so that we can pull it all together in our lives. Chapter 13 helps us to see, chapter 13 helps us to see what the piercing of Christ that was talked about in Romans 12, what it means in Romans 13 with that fountain that was filled with blood. During COVID, we had always taken communion. I grew up taking communion once a month. In every church I've ever served, we took communion once a month. A few years ago, we had a, a new Lutheran church that started in our community. And while they were in the process of forming and calling a pastor, they asked if they could worship with us on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And they were just precious, precious people. And so there was a, there was a, a significant group of people that worshiped with us every Sunday morning and every Sunday night. And, and excuse me, every Wednesday night. And one day, some of them asked to meet with me. And they were just stunned that we only took communion once a month. And they were always here, and they took communion with us, even though they teach a little bit differently about communion than what we do. They were always here, and I had just some wonderful conversation with them. I forgot about that. But during COVID, when COVID first started, I was reading the scriptures one day, and Paul talks about taking communion unworthily and what happens to us physically when we partake of communion in an unworthy manner with unconfessed sin in our life. And as I got to thinking about that, if we take of it in the right manner, what communion does for us? Because think of what communion represents. We're celebrating the incarnation of Christ, the bread representing the body of Christ, the juice representing the blood of Christ. We're celebrating the crucifixion of Christ, the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ, and Christ's return because Jesus said he wouldn't drink it again until he came back to gather us up to himself in his Father's kingdom. 29, you can look at that later. In 1 Corinthians 11 and, and verse 26, you can look at that later. So as we take communion, we're reminding ourselves of the cleansing because what do we ask you to do? Pastor Corey asks you every week, search your heart. If there's anything there that you need to confess, search your heart. That's an important point. That's what Paul was telling us to do. 
And what God is going to promise in this chapter is so powerful. And he will continue to cleanse us from our sin. He will continue that work of ongoing, listen, of ongoing deliverance from sin in our lives. So I'm going to read the entire chapter tonight, but I'm only going to have time to deal with verse 1. So again, I promised you I wouldn't double down on you tonight. But I want to read the entire chapter because I want you to get it in context. On that day, a fountain will be opened for the dynasty of David and for all the people of Jerusalem. A fountain to cleanse them from all their sins and impurities. Somebody say amen. And on that day, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will erase idol worship throughout the land so that even the names of the idols will be forgotten. I will remove from the land both the false prophets and the spirit of impurity that comes with them. If anyone continues to prophesy, his own father and mother will tell him, you must die for you have prophesied lies in the name of the Lord. And as he prophesies, his own father and mother will stab him. On that day, people will be ashamed to claim the prophetic gift, and no one will pretend to be a prophet by wearing prophet's clothes. He will say, I'm no prophet, I'm a farmer. I began working for a farmer as a boy. And if someone asks, then what about those wounds in your chest or on your chest? He will say, I was wounded at my friend's house. A waco sword against my shepherd, the man who is my partner, says the Lord of heaven's army. Strike down the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered and I will turn against the lambs. Two thirds of the people of the lamb will be cut off and die, says the Lord. But one third will be left and I will bring that group through the fire and make them pure. I will refine them like silver, purify them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, these are my people. And they will say, the Lord is our God. Now, the rest of that chapter after verse 1 would be almost impossible to bear if it wasn't for verse 1. Today, we had a friend that never crossed the line and gave their heart to Jesus, die in their 50s. Our hearts are broken because the family and Everyone is telling us that she never crossed the line and gave her heart to Christ. And my heart tonight is heavy sharing this with you because we love this individual. But the thought of an eternity without Christ is almost beyond comprehension for me. And the thought of a family having to bear that and brokenhearted over that. It's what makes John 3.16 so powerful and it's what makes the very first verse of this chapter so powerful. For God promises us cleansing from sin's punishment and power. God cleanses us. He promises cleansing from sin's punishment and power. If we compare ourselves with others, we may conclude that we're not dirty. If I compare myself with a murderer, I might say, I'm not that dirty. If I compare myself with a rapist, I might say, I'm not that dirty. If I compare myself with, with somebody that is a thief and robs and scams us, I might conclude that I'm just not that dirty. But the scriptures tell us with sadness, all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah, the prophet, was a godly man. I don't know about you, but I love to read the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is called the gospel in a nutshell. 
But Isaiah, as godly a man as he was, when he got a glimpse of the Lord, he says, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm undone. And sometimes when I hear people blaspheme or I hear people take the name of the Lord in vain or something like that, there's something in me that shudders because if we see the Lord in worship, if we come to know the Lord of the Scriptures, we realize our need for cleansing. Look at verse 1 again. On that day, a fountain will be opened for the dynasty of David and for the people of Jerusalem, a fountain to cleanse them from their sins and their impurities. Do you know what one of the first evidences that I see in somebody's heart that God is starting to deal with them? They become conscious of their sin. They become consciousness of that uncleanliness of our own lives. It's what some people call conviction. It's why you can never rush that process and try to be the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. But when someone becomes aware and begins to ask questions, that's that first working of the Holy Spirit in their lives to help them see their need for Jesus. But what I love about verse 1 is verse 1 tells me God wants to cleanse us from our sins. God doesn't want to send anybody to hell. God affirms his own desire to cleanse us and to save us from our sin. I can tell you for our friend that passed away, there have been many opportunities to share Christ. There have been so many opportunities to know Christ and to serve him. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, that some of you were like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Salvation comes when we call upon the name of Jesus, not by our good works. We will do good works if we're born again, but it comes by trusting Jesus and calling upon Him. And secondly, salvation is not just forgiveness of our sins, but salvation is the deliverance from the power as well as the punishment of sin. It's, it's what we celebrate in communion, that God forgave us, God forgives us today, and God will forgive us tomorrow. And as we grow in Christ, we sin less and less and less. And when Jesus comes again, we will finally be fully delivered from the presence of sin in our lives. Isn't that good news? That's what this fountain is all about. Jeremiah, he used this imagery twice. Let me read this to you. Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. It's what people do when they deny who Christ is and they make Jesus into an idol that will approve of their sins. They abandon the fountain of living waters and they dig for themselves these cracked cisterns. He goes on later in Jeremiah 17 to say, O oh Lord, the hope of Israel, all who turn away from you will be disgraced. They will be buried in the dust of the earth for they have abandoned the Lord, the fountain of living water. Isn't that amazing? God describes himself. He describes our Savior as the fountain of living water. So the cleansing comes from the fountain. The cleansing comes from Christ. The fountain that will be open to the house of David or to the dynasty of David that we just read about and the inhabitants of Jerusalem is the blood of the Messiah that will be pierced. Look at Psalms 34 and verse 20. For the Lord protect, and this is important, 
For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous, not one of them is broken, Psalms 34, 20. And John 19 and verse 34, John, he observes, now this is important, he observes that the two thieves, they have their legs broken. But Jesus, there was no broken legs or broken bones in his body. And he recognizes that, and that's why he calls that to our attention, and then the piercing of the side, John recognized this as his fulfillment of what we just read in Zechariah a few minutes ago. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out in John 19, 34. And then in the very next verse, in verse 35, John tells us why he's reminding us of these Old Testament prophecies. This report is from an eyewitness given an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you may also continue to believe. And John, in a period of about seven verses, I would really encourage you to go back and look at what all he said here. Because the Jews would have recognized that it takes blood for the atonement for our sins, and it took the water at the temple or the tabernacle for the cleansing and so when he saw the blood and the water gushing out of Jesus' side, he not only saw the fulfillment of prophecy, but he also understood what was happening in the temple. And he quoted from Zechariah 12 and 10 and Zechariah 13 and 1. Secondly, the cleansing stems from grace. And we're going to sing, there is a fountain filled with blood here in just a moment. But the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10, we read this two weeks ago, I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem, and they will look on me whom they have pierced, mourn for him as an only son. They will grieve bitterly for him as a firstborn son who has died. God says, I will pour out a spirit of grace, giving you what you don't deserve, but I will also pour out a spirit of prayer upon you to help you pray. One of the most powerful songs that I know is, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And I've asked Pastor Mark to come and to lead us in that tonight. And I think the words are there in your outline. And so if you just sing it with him tonight and let's rejoice in the Lord. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and see plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains and sinners plunge
Thank you, Mark. Amen. Amen. Do you see how that all, that whole hymn just came from Zechariah 13? How it tells you a picture of communion as we talked about tonight and what John is illustrating. But I think there's just a few more things that we can just draw out of verse 1 before we look at this challenging part of the rest of the chapter. The cleansing is infinite. The cleansing is infinite. I, I thought of words like boundless and beyond measure, unfathomable. But infinite just seems it's never going to run out. There's a place in Arizona, for those of you that have been to Arizona, it's called Fossil Springs. And I'm familiar with it, but I knew that it just gushed lots and lots of water. I had no clue. Now, this came from Wikipedia. It is so much water coming out of there, it's 2,700 cubic feet per minute. So I'm not that smart, so I looked up the conversion of what 2,700 cubic feet per minute was. That worked out to one hour, 1,211,880 gallons of water per minute. In a 24-hour period, that worked out to almost 30 million gallons a day. Now, this is in the desert of Arizona. And if you look up Fossil Park, you get warnings about the hike, the heat, the elevation. One year, I, just, I think it was just not too long ago, 400 and something people uh, had to be rescued off the trail. Several of them died. Friends, 
There is an access to you and I that is infinite that God provides for us. There's another old hymn that goes, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all of our sin. And just in case you think this is just being religious talk, this is real life. For me tonight, it's very emotional because of my friend. But if God's grace can forgive an adulterer and a murderer like David, if God's grace could forgive a man who led an entire nation to sin and sacrificed his sons to an idol, burned them alive, if God could forgive King Manasseh, and I know you and I are thinking, oh, I could never forgive them for that. If God's grace could, could, for, could forgive a man that described himself as a blasphemer and a persecutor of the church and a violent man, God's grace is big enough to cover your sin. There is a fountain filled with the blood of Jesus. And I urge you, friend, don't run from that fountain. Run to Jesus tonight. He is the fountain of living water. Look at this verse of Scripture with me this evening. For even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, infinitely, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. Will you underline that in your outline tonight? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And I'm sure every one of us could say that about ourselves. But the cleansing, it must be a personal experience. It's not a national thing. It's not being a member of a church. You have to personally commit your life to Jesus Christ. Let me go back to my illustration I opened up with tonight. Charles Spurgeon, he said, it's ludicrous. Now listen, it's ludicrous to say, I can't bathe because I'm too dirty. And he was talking about people who said, I can't come to church because of my sins. He was talking about people who just said that God could never forgive them. And in a powerful sermon on Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 1, he's pointing out the foolishness of saying, I can't bathe because I'm too dirty. And as I thought about that, I thought about 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins and to cleanse us from how much? All. Say it with me. All. It's infinite. It's boundless. It's unfathomable to cleanse us from all of our wickedness. You would never say, I'm too dirty to go to the wedding because you've been in the field, you've been in the factory, you've been mowing your yard. You would just simply come in and you would take a shower. And after you bathed well, you would then put on your deodorant and then put on your cologne or perfume. And then you would dress and then you would go to the wedding. Don't you see that God is inviting you to a wedding don't you see that when we celebrate communion, we're celebrating, I will not drink this again until I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. And the church is the bride and Jesus is the bridegroom. It would be ludicrous to live your life and die your last breath dirty in your trespasses and sin because you never availed yourself or thought, I'm too dirty 
No one is, if Manasseh wasn't too dirty or David wasn't too dirty, you're not too dirty tonight. So don't run from the cross. Don't run from the fountain. Run and dive in. Go in all the way. Don't be a lukewarm Christian, but be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Once I was preaching in a nation very hot and humid. We were on the equator. Gives you an idea. And we were at a very low altitude. There's a beautiful, ginormous lake there, but you can't bathe in it. You can't wash in it. You can't swim in it because it's full of skin-eating parasites. It's a beautiful lake, but it's a place that you just can't go into. And there's not availability of much water. There were open sewers. It smelled and it reeked. And there I was able to spend two weeks preaching the gospel and loving people. And they came every single night. They didn't have the availability that you and I have of clean water coming out of their tap. Water had to be boiled. Water had to be transported. So water was very precious. People would come up and touch my hair or rub my skin. My point is, they didn't know that one another smelled. I loved them. They smelled, not because they didn't love Jesus. They smelled because they didn't have access to the hygiene that you and I take for granted. And I'm telling you tonight, that week that we associate with filthiness and dirtiness, that's how our sins smell in the nostrils of a holy God, a God that is all loving, a God that is all forgiving, a God that is all merciful, a God that is all patient, a God that is all forbearing, a God that is all powerful. And when I consider how impatient and unloving and how lack of, the lack of forbearance I can have in my life, I realize I need the cleansing every single day. My friend, I only wish that she had run to Jesus, and I ask you to run to him tonight as well. Let's pray. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that this message was true for the Jews living, Lord, in Jerusalem at this time. We thank you that it was true, Lord, and though some recognized and some rejected and despised, give us eyes to see, Lord. Give us ears to hear. For what John saw and recognized as fulfillment of the word, others mocked at and laughed at, although they were clothed in good works and surrounded with religiosity. Oh, Jesus, give us eyes and ears to hear that there is a fountain filled with blood and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty saints. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. If you've got any questions, don't hesitate to send me an email or respond to us. I'll be glad to try and talk to them. Good night.